And in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Investment Property Income Podcast. My name is Jeff Eady. Joining me as always is the milk and sugar to my coffee, Mr. Jonathan Tilger, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers. Jonathan, how are you today? I am milk and sugary. <laughs> Funny part is I actually drink uh, my coffee black. <laughs> I'm doing phenomenal, Jeff. How about yourself? I'll always... Always, they'll always come on here not knowing what to expect. How are you going to introduce me? How are you going to like, what's your, what analogy you're going to use to describe our relationship? <laughs> the best part is, Jonathan, I don't know what to expect from me at this point. Ah, <laughs> oh, goodness. It's been an interesting day so far, JT. Always love our adventures. It's, it's funny. I feel like we travel around the world without ever leaving my office. Jonathan, it's that time again. The report came out one more time. Toronto is number two on the world's list of largest bubbles to be popped in real estate. Well, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I think I've been hearing this for, I think, 10 plus years. It's uh, they pretty much as long as you've been in the industry. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they keep bringing it up. And I mean, the, the, I think the big factor they keep leaning on the fact is, is that there is consistently high rate of, uh, of price increase. I mean, we're consistently double digit as far as the annual rate of, of increase in prices. And so that raises some eyebrows of, okay, it's going great, going great, but how long will that continue? So, and this is a bit of a bone of contention for me because I don't like seeing those double digit growth numbers. It does scare, you know, lenders. However, how long has Toronto been underpriced compared to the rest of the world market? Well, that, that's one thing I noticed because uh, I've, uh, I'll say pre-COVID, I traveled a lot. Uh, and I, I'd always like going into, it was one of the things I'd always do. I'd get into, especially a big city like a Hong Kong, a New York, a London, a Paris. And I'd like to just go through and see, hey, what are, what are prices look like here? Yeah. And contrast that to what they look like in Toronto. And, and yeah, I mean, I remember hearing the term, it was probably 10 plus years ago, the Manhattanization of Toronto. <laughs> and a big thing was just, uh, just I mean, Toronto is becoming a, a global city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, a lot of, a lot of people from overseas coming from some of the larger cities around the world are looking at the prices and saying, Hey, this is, uh, this is pretty cheap. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's catching up now. And so I, I, I haven't looked to see specifically, but, but for a long time, Toronto as a global city was, uh, was very underpriced compared to a lot of other global cities. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was watching a uh, Seinfeld episode the other day, a, a rerun on Netflix, and they were talking about rents in the early 90s being like three or four hundred dollars in Manhattan, <laughs> which was, you know, a heck of a deal at the time. But I'm like, oh, my gosh, how much it, you could never find a place for that kind of rent anymore. And uh, I, I, I know that rents have come back up in Toronto. But I highly doubt they're still back to pre-pandemic uh, rates. I'm not. I'm not sure. I haven't. Uh, I haven't paid super close attention to the rent rates, but they're they're definitely coming back up right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it, it, it wasn't unheard of during the pandemic to see prices fall as 40, 50% for rent. Uh, I know that one purpose-built rental uh, building at Bloor and, oh gosh, Sherburn was actually offering like three, three free months of rent, uh, no deposit and move in for less than market value. I don't remember exactly how much, but it was just over a thousand dollars. And I, I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be an amazing time as a tenant to be moving in there. But that tells me that the, the landlords are hurting. So here's my question. If the landlords were able to survive the pandemic, do you see a bubble coming? <laughs> I, I, to me, that, that is a real stress test. Yeah, well, it definitely is, especially, I mean, the, the landlords have been there for a long time especially since they're able to defer payments like mortgage payments and other things, they probably were able to weather it fairly well. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the, the, the big factor you always have to look at, this comes down to, and what, what, what drives a true bubble is, are there not enough people? Are you going to have vacant units? And when you start getting a certain number of vacant units, be it owning or rental, that's when the bubble that's when the bubble bursts. Mm -hmm. And so the factors you got to look at is, are there vacant units? And really in Toronto, there's not a lot. And a bi big factor, a big factor, especially as we're coming back out of the pandemic and from what I'm sort of hearing, reading, whatever you want to call it, they're going to work on catching up the immigration we've not had over the last uh, year and a half. Well, that's a whole other part of it. You know, there's it to me, it feels like they're they're not doing all of the math. Is that is that fair to say? Well, the, the, the one I love and this was going back to some of the election promises we just went through and they're saying, well, we're going to create more uh, more affordable housing, this and that we're going to create a million over the next however many years we're going to create X number. I think it was was it a hundred? I forget. Was it, I think it was a million, uh, million affordable housing units or it was a hundred thousand. I, I forget, but whatever it was, but then the next sentence is, or not necessarily the next sentence, but along the same lines, but, and we're going to be bringing in 300,000 people over the next year going, all right. So if you create a hundred thousand units and you bring in 300,000, all those units you just created are now gone. So you've not, in fact, eased up the housing supply. <laughs> <laughs> so here's something interesting i actually just looked at uh, the latest stat that i could find was q1 vacancy rates actually hit 8.8 percent in toronto which is extremely high for toronto it was uh, uh q1 of 2020 it was at 1.1 yeah so the other factor so of course we're we're now bumping up all of the immigration again but we also have this um <laughs> Excuse me, I, I forget what they call it, a, a siege or something like that, when uh, when the lake expands out uh, due to, to high winds and then it comes back. I can't remember the name of it, but our wave of people exiting the city. Do you think that's coming back as well? Oh, I, I know 100% it is. And this is just where I live. I happen to be in a condo building and I where I'm looking, I can see the, uh, the QEW or Gardner coming into Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that if we go back, roll it back a year ago, at eight o'clock in the morning, that road was empty. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Now at 630 in the morning, that road is full. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I know I had to drive in it last week for the first time in a year. (laughs) A lot of people are returning back to working in the city, going back to the office, going back to their place of employment. And as people are returning back to working there, those who moved or sort of left the, uh, the core temporarily for whatever reasons. I mean, a lot of young people, let's face it, a lot of young people said, hey, I, all these factors have changed. And there, were, there was a certain percentage of people who said, or especially young people, well, I'm going to go back and live in my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that, actually. I'm, I'm sure there was a ton of people that went back and lived with their parents because there was no point in living in Toronto, for one thing. Yeah, whether, whether it was, hey, I can work remotely or whether it was, hey, I'm out of a job right now. Yeah. But, he, but either way, it's, hey, this makes more sense because, I mean, I can live by myself and basically isolated by myself or I can live with family and be isolated with family and have yeah. someone, to, someone to talk to and someone to interact with. Well, I know the first couple months of the pandemic were challenging for me living in Toronto and not that, you know, I had neighbors two doors over, I could yell over the fence, but that, that, that definitely plays a factor. So <clears throat> do you think that we're going to see even higher prices as opposed to a bubble because of the um, wave of immigration and the wave of people coming back to the city? Yeah, so it's going to, I'll just say it's going to be interesting what's going to happen because we had that sort of spike that's happened around the city. Yeah. Now, what happens as people return back? I mean, from the stuff I've been uh, sort of reading, paying attention to, there has been sort of, they're calling it a stabilizations happened right now. Yeah. uh, In that, yeah, we're in a swing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I, I think, I think the month of September was the first month there's actually been an increase. I mean, it's a small increase from the previous month of, of, the num- actual transactions as far as sales have gone up a little bit. It's been marginal, just like I think 1.7% wasn't huge. Uh, but the trend of more transactions has started going up, which is the first time it's happened, uh, I think, since June or July. So, so the trend is starting to, to go back up as far as transactions. I think we're seeing more people coming back to the city. So you're seeing stabilization around as far as the outlying areas are not increasing at their, their crazy rates because people are moving back to the city. And I think, yeah, as you said, that our, our, our downtown prices especially will start to probably stabilize more going, stabilizing to the upside because there has been a little bit of downside uh, but it hasn't been huge drops in prices, more on the rental side. But but as far as sale prices, they haven't dropped significantly. So let's talk about the the opposite side of that then. So we're talking about, you know, Toronto being a bubble or not a bubble, whatever, a bubble that's going to get bigger, burst, whatever. <laughs> but um, one of the things, so for many years, I kept hearing people say, I need to buy a house right now. Why? Well, because I feel like if I don't get in the market now, I'll never get into the market. For many, many years. But what I'm hearing more often than not now is I'm waiting for when prices come back down, at least out in my area. I'm out in the 905. Yeah. I'm hearing that consistently now where people are waiting to find, you know, waiting to see what happens because a lot of people have sold their homes, especially locals where I am. Uh, I know people are renting trailers. They're uh, moving in with their parents and creating in-law suites for themselves um, (laughs) just so they could take advantage of the high market. Do you think this is a wise strategy to wait out in the 905, 519 areas? Uh, I think, well, I'll just say, I think, they're thinking that way because there was such a 
I'll call it pandemic spike in prices. 40%. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, in some areas, yeah, it it was huge in some areas where, where suddenly people, I mean, some people, their houses in call it the year and a half, they, they went up close to doubling in a year and a half. Yeah. $400,000 house. Now we're $600,000. Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) so there were these huge, huge, huge increases. And so, yeah, as you said, people said, Hey, I'm going to take advantage of this. Mm Mm-hmm and cashed out uh but they obviously don't want to buy back in at those prices so so they're just hey let's wait it out and let's see what happens um are things going to drop way down i that one i i can't tell i don't want to guess at that one it really comes down to all the people who emigrated out there are they going to be staying out there or keeping their houses out there Mm -hmm. and let's let's be clear what i mean uh, mean about that they might not say hey i'm going to continue living out here they might say hey i'm going to keep this as a vacation property out here Mm -hmm. and in which case there won't be this sudden influx of of properties coming back on the market so i i i I don't think i mean prices especially in real estate tend to be uh i'll say upward sticky yeah, I mean, once, once, once it goes up, they, they don't drop down <clears throat> outside of some big panic that suddenly people sell, but they generally don't come down as quickly. Yeah, I mean, there's always the unforeseen, but I, I agree with you, especially with the U.S. border opening back up. Uh, money flowing both ways again and people coming over here. I'm seeing a lot more U.S. license plates where I live, and uh, those people sold all their cottages and vacation properties when, when the pandemic hit and the border closed. I don't think they're going to be able to get them for the same price they sold them at. That's for certain. <laughs> so your recommendation would be try and get in the market now, if you're looking to. At least really do your homework and find out what the. Oh, quit what... hedging. Come on. Give us an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that if you sold just for the sole purpose of cashing in, that was probably a bit of a mistake. Fair, fair. Uh, because ultimately it's always yeah well you can get a great price sell well yeah but i gotta live somewhere now what do i do (laughs) (laughs) so if there was a good strategy in place like creating an in-law suite or or whatever yeah good time to sell take the equity but uh waiting to get into the market could end up costing you a heck of a lot more yeah it could definitely yeah Anything else you want to uh, wrap this up with jt i know it's one of those touchy subjects and it's hard to to speculate on but I think overall, the strategy is if you're looking to get into the market, there's no such thing as real timing. Just look for the best deals. Is that fair well, to say? Well, the, the best time to buy real estate was always 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good thing to wrap it up on, JT. <laughs> so thank you very much for your time, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Jonathan and what we do, you can certainly download the book, investmentpropertyincomebook.com. You can find our, our play, uh, playlist, find our podcast on all playlists, including Spotify, Google, and Amazon. And uh, stay tuned. We got some big stuff coming out in the very near future. We can't wait to tell you about it. Jonathan, anything you want to say to wrap it up? Always a pleasure speaking with you, Jeff. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate you. Have a fantastic day, and we will see you soon.